What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Expected Bets for your weekly, bi-weekly, whatever you kind of want to call it, podcast where we talk about the NHL. Currently is June 7th, so it is game day for the fourth game of the Eastern Conference Finals. Bring in our co-host now, Cheds. How are we doing? Doing good, doing good. Happy to be back. Haven't done this in a little bit, so we'll get to talk a little bit of hockey. Um, and yeah, hopefully the Tampa Bay Lightning can not have me spy on to depression. So we'll take well, What an opening that is. Betsky, how are we doing out there in the uh, desert? Doing good. It's going to be like 115 on Saturday. We're already jumping in the pool. So uh, nothing, nothing like watching a sport that's on ice while uh, sweating your ass off every day, but. Yeah, definitely a little jealous of the weather, but not when it gets towards the triple digits for sure. Um, lastly, but certainly not least, Franco, how are we doing in Philly? Doing good. Back from a long vacation and getting back into putting picks out and hope to get on a little heater here going into the cup. So let's do it. Yeah, it's certainly been a wild playoff so far, uh, especially betting wise, but all right, so in this episode, we'll kind of talk about the Eastern Conference Finals, obviously still going on. Western Conference Finals wrapped up. Colorado sweeping the Edmonton Oilers. We're going to some head coaching jobs uh, and a little draft talk as well. Let's start with some most recent news, though. Bruce Cassidy out in Boston, uh, had a tw- 245 wins, uh, 108 losses, and 46 ties. Made the playoffs in each of his six seasons. Kind of a surprising uh, firing, I guess, when you really look at it. Um, I guess we'll go to Chad's Chad's kind of initial thoughts here in, uh, Boston. Um, I have no idea. Sorry. I just muted myself there. Um, no idea why they made this move. Uh, you just read his record 245 and like 108. Yeah. Like they're one of the best teams in the NHL. Um, who unfortunately are just stuck in what is the best division in the NHL. So they ended up a four seed and had to play Carolina round one. Um, I think it's definitely an overreaction because I just don't see the need for it. But to me, it signals that I think Boston is going to go towards like a rebuild retool. Like they have a lot of like Bergeron is coming to the end here. Um, I could see them kind of use this as a, as a kind of retool moment and trying to integrate youth. The one thing that Bruce Cassidy's gripe was against him was his inability to kind of integrate youth and get the best out of them, like Jake DeBrusque, Brandon Carlo, et cetera. Um, really the only youngster that kind of came through and flourished was uh, McAvoy. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be maybe the main thing against him and maybe to me signals like they might be going towards a rebuild slash retool phase. Yeah, Betsky, obviously one of the uh, Bruce Cassidy prolific coach, uh, kind of had a great few years in Boston. Do you think he finds another job uh, by the start of the year this year? I, I mean, you got it. I lean. Yes. Yeah. He, he doesn't seem like tip it where you take a year off and kind of reevaluate or suitor. I think he'll just kind of bounce back. Um, one thing that's interesting about Boston retools, they did a hell of a job when, they did this back in 2015. And I think that's when they let Julian go. 2017, uh, Julian was out. Sep- okay. Yeah. So actually, I think it was um, their general manager left in 15 to Edmonton, which was great. Um, and they kind of 
totally dropped the ball on their three first picks in that 2015 draft that they had in a row by missing out on Barzell and everybody. But at the same time, we're able to kind of get McAvoy in there and start doing a nice little retool and pasta started really emerging. They got the pieces. They, they're a great org. They're one of those organizations I actually trust to be able to do something on the fly in a season or two of maybe missing or just missing the playoffs or just making it in rather. And then, be able to come out with a revamped offense or revamped blue line and just start, you know, it's like they didn't miss a day. Now all these vets kind of aging out, it changes that dynamic a little bit. I don't know how much Bergeron has left, but uh, you know, they made a big trade with Lynn Holmes. So I, I, I think they're going to kind of do a quick retool on the fly rather than the full rebuild here but agreed with uh, Chad's here that getting a, a coach that can start integrating some of that youth is going to be crucial. Yeah. And I mean, we'll talk, we'll get some goalie talk later, but I mean, they have a pretty good starting point in Jeremy Swayman right there. Yeah. I mean, he's, he was one of the best goalies uh, all season long. I know they sent him kind of back and forth uh, to the minors with the whole Tuka Rask experiment, but um, all right, moving on from Boston, let's go to our resident Philadelphia expert, Franco. <laughs> We got a new coach, new coach search here. Mike, uh, how, do you, how do you pronounce his last name? I always mix that up. Mike Yo. Mike Yo. Mike Yo is out uh, after a 17-36-7 record, missed the playoffs for the second straight season. Where does Philly go from here? You're shaking your head. It's, you know, every time I hear a name come up, like um, Cassidy, you see it get, get bounced around with Philly and, you know, trots earlier, you know. But I just I feel like they never went out on these coaching things. When a good coach comes out on the market, it's it's rehashes guys like Rick Tockett and John Tortorello. I see being mentioned and stuff, and I'm like, oh my goodness! If that really happens, I I can't. I just can't. So I don't know. One one interesting thing about the Cassidy um, firing was I read a story that he was allowed to fire the assistant coach, and then he was fired after that which just seems like, I don't know what is going on in Boston. Like what, what is going on with this decision-making exactly? So I, I don't know. It's just bizarre to me. Yeah. I saw a tweet earlier um, that was basically saying that kind of the front office or he referred to it as like an old boys club was just kind of buying themselves more time of just kind of bring in one last shot here and just seeing what they can do uh, with the kind of current roster they have. Um, all right. Dallas obviously took Calgary to seven games in the first round. Uh, Rick bonus is stepping down after three seasons, along with his three assistants. Uh, Cheds, any thoughts on this one? Obviously Dallas kind of put together, we call them a kind of a mediocre team all season, great at home, but what are your thoughts on this one? I think that's a fair move. Like yeah. some people were surprised because they took Calgary to seven, but in reality, I don't think that's a great team. Um, the only reason they took Calgary to seven is because their goalie was playing some of the most insane goaltending that I've seen in a very long time. Like that game seven where he made like 70 save or 60 saves, whatever it was absurd. Like Jay Godinger was incredible. Yeah. Um, I, believe- I was sorry. I was just going to say Dallas played such a negative style here. They're so boring to watch. And there's talent there, but they're, they're another team. Like I think they need to make a decision right now. Like, do they just want to be stuck in that middle you know, middle zone of barely make the playoffs or do they want to blow this up and retool? So they have some really good young pieces with Hintz and Pavelski and Heiskanen. And then they have these older pieces. 
Ben Sagan, Pavelski. Um, who's the other defenseman they have? I mean, Klinberg's not even that old, but Suter. <laughs> this is a team that's literally stuck in that middle land of like, what do they do? And I don't think Bonus is the right guy to kind of take them to that next step. Yeah, they're like they're like Boston in the West, and I'm I'm going like full Zach Galifianakis, Dean, and a hangover with all the you know the gif with all the uh, math equations going on here. And does Bonus sit in Boston next season? No chance. <laughs> no chance. No. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll end up seeing um, Detroit, obviously. Um, Bashel, Blashell, uh, not good with names, people. I'm sorry. Uh, he's out. His contract's not getting renewed after seven seasons. Uh, Detroit's missed the playoffs in six of the past seasons. Detroit's another one of those teams that does have a few young pieces that they can build around. Um, Franco, what are your kind of thoughts on this one? Um, obviously, something needed to happen. So, yeah, they need a change there, but I think they're building a, a decent four at least. Um, Goaltending is still a question mark. Obviously, they, they don't have that Swayman or Ottinger like the other two we mentioned. But, I, I mean, they, they have – Sider looks to be a top defenseman, right? He's super young at this point and is on his way to probably being the top defenseman, you know, rookie defenseman or rookie of the year. And um, I don't know. I mean, Lucas Raymond looked pretty good. They have a couple other pieces, but they, their vets that they have – didn't contribute as much as I think they wanted to. Yeah. So kind of similar with these other teams where they're going to have to decide whether they want to add some new vets, get these guys out. And I don't really know who would be the guy for them, but I could see some upside there for sure. Yeah. And uh, kind of lastly, Winnipeg, obviously Dave Lowry, um, interim head coach this season, had a disappointing year too. Certainly open to make the playoffs and then Chicago as well. Uh, interim coach, Derek King, also remains the running for that job. So those are two other teams too. Obviously, Chicago, almost a preseason favorite given the moves they made this offseason um, with Flurry and Seth Jones uh, kind of bringing them in. Besky, where do you think Winnipeg goes from here? It's one of the most interesting teams for me kind of in this offseason. Yeah, I, I know there's a lot of rumors going around uh, where they potentially are moving Shifley and whatnot. Um, I think this is going to be somewhat of that retool on the fly that we were just kind of talking about with Boston where they'll, they have some aging core, but they got some guys that are kind of in that middle part of their career that could probably return a lot more. You know, this isn't Pavelski out of Dallas. So, um, you know, this is a guy that's right in the thick of his best playing years. And I could see a competitor really paying up for it. Um, really that quickly. blue line is just kind of miserable and I think that needs to be their first part that they need to retool yeah go for it Chad's. I was going to say if Hellebuck becomes available I literally yeah. give any like on the double side of things like if he becomes available like literally give anything up for him I think he's right up there like upper echelon like top five blues in the NHL I'll I, give and up I think almost anything for him outside that's of like, a, Jack Hughes that's a really good point too because I think I think what we're seeing in Winnipeg is kind of where Anaheim was a couple years ago and this year where it's starting to fall apart. You're not top three pick level yet, but you're 
you're if you draft well, you can start getting out of it without having to just do the full on tank. And Anaheim hanging on to Gibson, and we were kind of chatting before the show about what's kind of happened with him. But I mean, you look at that team, and what does it look like with a you know a dumpster goaltender? And same thing with Winnipeg. So it's kind of I'm curious if they're going to move Hellbuck or not. Because they, it, they almost you know, need to keep them, otherwise they're not going to be competitive at all, right? Like, yeah, because then then you get to that like just stink, uh, like that Edmonton ten years of pain and stink, where even your prospects that may have been highly touted just look miserable because they don't know anything outside of losing and putting up a bunch of points. Like, remember a couple of years ago when Duchesne hit some sort of milestone? Let's say it was like his 500th point or something. And it was in like a seven to three loss in that miserable year when Rob was still their head coach. And he was kind of celebrating. I guess Rob just went to town on him in the locker room. And I I think that's what starts to happen with these orgs that just can't turn it around is those young prospects. The only thing they got to play for at that point is padding their stats and getting the next paycheck. So I, I, I going to that point, like if you when you tear it all down you have to be really intentional about it um and kind of just clean just completely clean house and if not you got to have somebody who can get you some wins and so all i'm going to say is off the back of that i would rather a team do that and clean house than do what san jose or anaheim keep trying to do Um, trying to squeak out uh an eight well not even an eight seed anymore whatever the fuck you want to call it nowadays and miss by a little bit get like the ninth overall pick whatever that is like people forget what was it five years ago colorado literally had the lowest point total out of any team in the last like 20 years, I think they finished like 42 yeah. points. That was, the it was team, under 50. That was the team that had the three on O breakaway and somehow didn't even get a shot off. Cause the dude like passed it backwards or some shit. Like that was the worst team I'd ever seen play. The only player on that team, I think was Landis Gug. And then they drafted McKinnon and the rest is history from there. No, no. The crazy thing is, Oh wait, there, I may be confusing is this. There was two seasons where they're extremely bad. One was with McKinnon, Duchesne and Landis got on the team. It was the year before they drafted a car. No, they drafted a car the same year. The devil's drafted Nico. He Yeah. And I, they you, Jersey moved up. Dallas moved up. And then who was second overall that year? Philly moved up. I think they all <laughs> know Patrick, baby. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Kill me now. Uh, So wait, sorry. You are right. That was the McCarr draft 20. It was 2012, 2013 when they had 39 points or in last. Okay. So that, yeah, that was another miserable one. And that that's when you're right that that was before McKinnon. Mm -hmm. So that was the McKinnon draft year, 2016, 2017. That was avalanche had 48 points. That was the first year they took Jan Bednar. Everyone's like, why the hell is this dude their head coach? Yeah. Unreal. And now look at them. I know. The next worst team that season? Like 60. Were the Canucks, and they had 69 points. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. All right. Yeah, so moving on. Um, Obviously, Edmonton, uh, Jay Woodcroft looks to be staying put there. We'll touch on him. Uh, in a bit, and same in Florida, uh, Andrew Burnett taking over for Quenville uh, after that kind of 
situation played out. But I guess we can, uh, before we get into that, Cheds, I want to touch with you. Obviously, the NHL draft coming up in about a month now, uh, July 7th and 8th. Shane Wright looks to be kind of the unanimous number one decision. Uh, I know you gave this bet out, but I wanted you to kind of, you're obviously our kind of draft expert here. You had another guy in mind for the first overall pick. Who was that? Yeah, so Yuri Slavkovsky. He's the big uh, power forward out of Slovakia, I believe, yeah, yeah. Um, who had an incredible IIHF tournament. Um, I said in my tweet when I made the pick, he was at plus 1,500. Um, he just finished, which I, I don't know the exact stat, but I think he had 11 points, which is the most for like an 18-year-old in that tournament. I think he might have been the first um, – the first teenager, like lead his team in points um, in that tournament ever as well. So he had a lot of hype going off that. On top of that, Corey Pronman, a really well-known and probably best NHL writer um, for the athletic, put him as his number one prospect in the draft. Purely based off that article, I took the plus 1500 thinking that like, even though I don't think he's going to go number one, I think the Habs would be crazy not to take Shane Wright. I think it's great value. Um, and Slavkovsky the next day dropped to plus, eight, like plus 800. So a 750-point swing, almost halves what he was at. Like, if FanDuel let me cash out, I'd make a really pretty penny on profit right now. Uh, but they won't, so fuck them. Um, so, like I said, if I'm the Devils, like, if they don't take Shane Wright, like, that's such a weird problem to have because I, I don't think we want another center. Um, but on the plus side, that might also open up a really good trade piece because there's going to be teams that are going to want Shane Wright really badly. Yeah, for sure. And if he does actually go number one, uh, he'll be the first player ever in NHL history uh, to be the number first player drafted overall, uh, born in Slovakia. Um, he didn't participate in the fitness section on the combine, but we've seen several players do that before. Uh, so no real downsides there. Uh, all right. With he, that, yeah, go ahead. step in real quick, too. I was looking at some combine photos and some of the the kind of outcomes of that and our, our boy Slavkowski got some braces so he's he's ready to be a superstar in this league so I like okay. seeing that Slavkowski also towers over all the other dudes like yeah. six foot five two thirty and everyone else like five foot eleven one fifty five like, soaking wet yeah and he looks like a 25 year old already yeah now if he played center I don't think it would even be a question yeah was he he's a left winger right yeah but there, apparently, it, some of the interviews during the combine, he was asked if he'd be comfortable playing center. And I think Vancouver asked. Yep. The Devils two. and Vancouver are the two teams that asked, which is two. Weird. I mean, well, I mean, do we get all three Hughes? Oh, dude, I'm so in. I'd rather use that <laughs> pick for an actual forward. But like, if Quinn wants to come on board, then we'll drop back in the draft right around like 15. Jack Hughes, the second. It's supposed uh -huh. to get drafted. Yeah. Just collect yeah. all the infinity stuff. Get all the hues. Yeah. <laughs> so I know we touched on this before with Edmonton, but uh, let's get into the Western Conference finals right now. Colorado, obviously, last night completed the sweep, winning six to five in OT over Edmonton. Edmonton obviously kind of made a run that I don't think many people would have thought uh, got by Calgary in kind of shocking fashion, uh, at least for me, at least. Um, I guess we'll start with Cheds here. What was kind of your biggest takeaway of that Colorado Edmonton series? Edmonton is much better than a 4-0 sweep. 
but I don't think anything about that core told me that they can take that next step and actually win. Like, I don't think that should have been a sweep. I think Mike Smith really dropped the ball on a couple of games. And I think Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid are fucking phenomenal. Like, they played incredible. Dreisaitl was playing with, like, half an ankle left, um, and he was still incredible. But, like, when you have that much money tied up to him, those two, Zach Hyman, who was also really good, and Darnell Nurse, like, I don't know where they're going to go from here to improve that team. Like, that that's my issue, or, like, in the same, same place that Toronto is at, like, yeah, the core is incredible. Like you can make case that all these guys are elite talents, but like, how do you actually improve this team? And that that's kind of where I fall with them right now, because for four or five years now, having two top five players in the NHL hasn't been enough. So clearly on talent alone, like that's not going to get you there. Yeah. I guess I'll go to Franco on this next one. Obviously two major concerns for Edmonton. Uh, after that series, depth scoring and goaltending, which one would you say is kind of their biggest priority moving forward uh, in this offseason? That's tough because I feel like you can get a goalie that's going to be better than Mike Smith for, you know, not too much money. But the, you look at the guys that are going to be leaving or, you know, re- either restricted or unrestricted. Yamamoto, Pugliarvi, Evander Kane. They're not stars obviously but they were relatively cheap players that provided scoring in 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 ways at least to an extent now you're gonna lose those guys and there's just not i I, like ched said i don't feel like there's enough money to add to that scoring where where's the depth where where's the other guys that come in outside of connor and leon and zach hyman it's just not there so I, i mean smith smith was the reason that they lost that series, I would say, mainly. But at the same time, there were moments where he stood on his head and kept them in games. It's just, it was such a bizarre performance by him. It, it was like hot and extremely cold within periods. So if, if you're uh, Edmonton, do you resign Evander Kane? Coming off that playoffs, he's going to want a crazy amount of money. I see. Yeah, I don't. I, that's so tough. I, I was just pulling up cap friendly to take a look at that. Um, and with his situation, he's probably going to want to get paid. <laughs> so I don't know if you do or not. He, he's exactly what they needed for depth scoring. He's 30 though. And, and I guess it's not even depth scoring cause he's going to be on a top line. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you kind of got to feel like he was a big reason why they got through LA. Yeah, he was huge for them this year. Yeah. He really was. I mean, you look at his stats, too, leading up to this series. He he was good. Whether people wanted to give him credit or not, when you looked at his uh, goal saved above expected, he did play well. Uh, obviously, that numbers kind of went down significantly. I believe he was at a negative GSAX in all four games uh, versus Colorado. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think – I mean, obviously, the series is a little bit different, but I don't think he was kind of – you kind of heard the whole playoff long is of uh, just people bashing Mike Smith. I would argue so, that 99% of goalies in the NHL's GSAX will go significantly down against Colorado in his defense. Like true. that, that's a, that's a tough, that is fair, tough thing to do with that defense in front of him. Yeah. Like no offense. Darnell nurse got signed big money. I don't think he's worth that money. 
their defense needs so no. much work, I think, more than depth scoring. Like, outside of Darnell Nurse, Evan Bouchard took a step forward. But he's yeah. not great defensively. Tyson Berry, not great defensively. They signed Brett Kulak. Okay, they traded Keith, for Brett Kulak. He's not Keith great is, defensively. But, it, but he's well, not going to be around next season. And I thought he had a nice playoffs, but... I mean, do you resign Keith? I, I mean, there's no way, right? And then they yeah, got to get rid yeah. of Barry. Bouchard's taken over what Barry can do. You don't need two players like that. Maybe Broberg starts to turn into something. But, yeah, I agree. Nurse is, cool boy, 9.25 through 2027 and 28 season. What about Clefbaum? Is he going to come back? I don't think so. I don't think right? so. I think it's been – career and then from what I know. Yeah. Okay. I mean he's a huge loss. He he was he was. he was a good good defenseman for them offensively and defensively. That's that's a big hit. Yeah. And then they lost Adam Larson in the expansion draft who like as a Devils fan for all his faults yeah. he hasn't lived up to fourth overall but he turned into like a good defensive defenseman. God can you imagine what that that top four would have clicked really well if it was Nurse Bouchard, Keith and and um, Adam Larson instead of CeCe up there. That was a huge loss. I don't know why they didn't protect him. It was stupid. I think I know. He, I think he had like a bad playoffs or something like that, and all the fans were on his case. Like it was kind of like that recency bias, where like the season before he ended poorly or something but, like that. But couldn't they? Oh no! Wait, did Chris Russell have a no move? No, it doesn't. It's not showing anything. So they didn't expose Chris Russell. I would have to look back at that. I, I guess maybe they, they protected. Him, they but... protected like Josh Archibald and and wow. Um, well, you, was that for limitations with forward versus defense, though? Maybe, but I, yeah, I guess I guess that would have probably played. Yeah, into but that. then who would have been the def- the defenseman they let like Nurse Bouchard and what Barry? I thought Barry Bouchard. You didn't have to protect Bouchard because he was a. Rookie. Who the hell did they protect on the defense? I don't know now. Now I'm getting just mad. <laughs> just getting mad at that organization. Yeah, I can pull it up. I mean, it's not hard to find. Archibald, well, Dreisaitl, yeah. Cassian, McDavid, wow. Nugent Hopkins, Pulley RV, Yamamoto, Ethan Bear, oh, Duncan Keith. Oh, who they traded. And then Duncan, they protected Duncan Keith. Why would Jesus you protect something? Nobody would have taken him. Uh, and then, yeah. Unreal. Yeah. It's a... Uh, Oh, you Let's, dig your own grave. Oh, yeah. oh, wait, never mind. They protected yeah. Zach Cassian. <laughs> and then now they don't have. Wait. They will have Mike Smith next year on contract. <laughs> yeah, he's under contract regardless. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. He's not a UFA. Yeah, Koskinen will be gone, and they yeah. still have Stuart Skinner. Yeah. So. All right. Well, they just. I'm... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chad. Last thing I just want because I don't want to take too much time. Um, they don't have any cap coming off this team this year outside of Brett Kulak and Chris Russell. Like, that's what I'm trying. Like, where do they improve this team? Because you're not getting a Vander Kane for six, seven hundred thousand dollars again. Like, they don't have Curtis any is coming off. And how much is he making? I mean, he's signed pretty long. I thought he was at like 5.5, but I don't know if he got a new contract between Nashville and Edmonton. At he least from have. what I remember, like they don't have that much money coming off. No. What I Russell, see here, uh, Russell Kulak, Koskinen, but they're going to need another goalie then. 
So, you know, they, they have to move Barry, which gets them 4.5 off, and they probably need to get rid of Cassian. I don't know. Who is yeah. 3.2? Cody right there, CC yeah. being signed for four more years at 3.2 million. Oof. Hey, I guess one last question before we move on to Colorado for Edmonton. Obviously, I think regardless of what happens in the Stanley Cup, I'd say Connor McDavid was the story of these playoffs for a lot of my non, my friends who don't watch a lot of NHL just start watching the playoffs. They're like, is this guy this good all the time? And the short answer is yes. I mean, if you watch Edmonton night in and night out, he is by far like bar none, the best player on the ice and in the NHL right now. So I want to go to you first, Betsky. Did this, performance that he put on just solidify his number one spot as the best player in the NHL? Or do you think you obviously have great performances from McCarr, McKinnon, um, et cetera, but was this kind of his almost like weird, like coming out party to kind of the entire non-hockey community? He's definitely a household name now. And I don't think McKinnon necessarily is yet, which is kind of crazy. Um, the I think our first episode when the playoffs were about to start, we kind of talked about McCarr being potentially the best player in the world, or at least will become kind of this unicorn of a player. And I still hold that belief, but Mc, McDavid to me has definitely reached that Crosby level of, because before it was always like, Crosby's still the best player in the world. He's the playoff performer. I think McDavid was coming into the season right when Pittsburgh won two cups back to back. Yep. So it was kind of like uh, Crosby's still the king, and that's clearly fading now. But you can definitely see that that uh, it's his thirst now. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think it'll be very hard for a defenseman to ever become a household name. But I think McCarr will probably be the closest thing that we see to that in a long time. Um, and I think they're, I think, you know, right next to each other, as far as, as talent level and potentially who's the best player that is in the NHL and in the world right now. Yeah. Yeah. Chad's go ahead. Two things off that one, Kel McCarr had five points yesterday. And I feel like no one talked about it. I think that leads kind of credit towards what Betsky says. Like defensemen just have a much harder time getting that recognition. And two, Connor McDavid performed at a level that even like, I don't think any of us has seen him performed before and they still got swept like that's my big worry with the Edmonton Oilers because he was about two games away from breaking top five into like points records and playoffs like he was putting an all-time show and this wasn't like the Stanley Cup finals this is East of Conference finals and they got swept where at any point did anyone ever think they had a chance to win this series and that and he was doing that like that's my big worry for them yeah he he also seems and I don't want to be just some guy sitting in his office in Phoenix talking about the greatest hockey player that's alive right now, <laughs> but there's a little bit of a detachment with him. Um, and I just kind of wonder what he's like in the locker room. I wonder if he's kind of sits in the corner quietly and gets mentally prepared or if he's amping guys up or what that looks like. Um, to me, he looks like a very different type of leader than say like an Austin Matthews or even a McKinnon. And I, you know, without that fire, I, I, I just, I do wonder what, 
if there's limitations to what he can get an entire team to do. In his defense, like, but I also can't see like Sidney Crosby being like a fiery leader, especially with his voice. Like I can see there, I think there's people that take stuff differently. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I think McDav- McDavid's also like 23. Like a lot of the leadership skills that you get in your career, like you get as you grow and in the game, like people forget just how young he is. I hate when people bring that up. Like, oh, he can't be a good leader. I believe I the agree. best leaders lead by example. And that dude puts on the best fucking example for anyone. Yep. On the team. And, yeah. And, and I think the Crosby example is perfect because I think at that, that two Pete that they had, I think he really kind of came out of being known as the kind of quiet diminutive guy. That was when he was getting pushed around so much and he actually would kind of just take it and kind of push back a little bit more. And I think he kind of turned more into that fiery leader a little bit more so than we had seen before, uh, kind of more in that midpoint of his career. Yeah. So, yeah say- who knows? Maybe, maybe we see that transformation after, after, you know, getting spanked by Colorado. Yeah, I'd even say these playoffs, though, you saw him show more emotion on the ice. You know, Agreed. like like even I, I besides his locker room, no idea what he's like, not going to even assume or try to guess what he's like in the locker room. But you could see in these playoffs, he led on the ice every single shift he had. He was fiery. There was passion. He was aggressive in every single play, laying guys out like just complete leader all in all aspects of the ice that I haven't seen before out of him. And I don't know if this is kind of his next stepping stone of being like, okay, great. <clears throat> I want to kind of take over from here or where they're going to go next year. Obviously this was an insane run they had given their team, but certainly it'd be interesting to see kind of where they go um, from here. Franco kind of any closing thoughts on Edmonton and McDavid here. Yeah, I, I agree. He, he really, every time the puck got to his stick, you were expecting something to happen. Yeah. Just whether it was just yeah. a, a break into the zone. He skates around two guys and gets in and gets around behind the net. And no, no one could get the, the puck off his stick. It was, it was like he was a force and he was saying in his mind, I'm not letting you stop me. I'm doing this right now. Um, yeah. I would say you know, dry, dry cell being injured. Really, I, I feel like really hurt yeah. them because that took that guy. He, he was on the ice with McDavid, but he didn't have the, the ability to do what he's normally capable of. And I, he, had, he had that one missed, missed net on the wide open net. It was just like he buries that 100% of the time. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that changed the game. So, I, mean, I don't know. Mick, there was one point last game, and I, I don't want to harp too much on Edmonton right now because we've taken a while, where McDavid literally skated around like four or five times. They just need like a shooter. Like, I, Leon Dreisel is an incredible goal scorer, but he doesn't pop out to me as like a shooter. You know what I'm Kane saying? Like, was that though this year? Like, I think Kane was that for him. You saw the numbers yeah. he put up with Kane. I mean, Kane was kind of that guy who just collected points in the playoffs. I feel like he is, but like, I'm talking about in a pure sniper sense. Yeah, okay. like for that power play. Not yeah. He was absolutely their best goal scorer since he came in. But like, I'm talking about on the power play side of things, like someone that's like a pure sniper. Yeah, Drysaddle. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he finished with 50 plus goals. Like, he's an incredible goal scorer. But I'm just talking like if you put someone like that, that's like a pure sniper, I don't, they can't make it happen. I don't think they have to be like if they had like a David Pasternak attached draw, to yeah. Connor McDavid, like yeah. that would be absolutely absurd. And I feel like that's something that could take them to that next level. Just don't think they can. Like I don't know how they get there. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Colorado here. Obviously, swept them as we talked about before. <clears throat> Franco looked good. I'd say kind of he's been filling in for Kemper uh, in games three and four. Um, 
I guess I'll start with Cheds here. I'll go back to Cheds here. What what is Colorado's key, you think, in the finals here? Obviously, just continue to put up ridiculous numbers offensively, or kind of what is their main, I guess, kind of how do they play the finals? You change absolutely nothing with that yep. team. Like if you're Colorado, your thing is we're the best team in the NHL. We're not changing our play style for anyone else. Like other teams have to adapt to us because no one can keep up with them. Like their team is so ridiculously stacked from top to bottom. It, it's just, I don't, I don't know where like any team can compete with it. Like if at any point they go down, they just stack up the top line and have McKinnon, Landeskog, and Ranton in. Then they can break it up for depth with like Nachuskin, Lekkanen. Obviously, we don't know Kadri if he's out. That's a big question mark. Their defense is incredible. Like they change nothing. They make other teams adapt to how they want to play, in my opinion, because I think that's how like winning teams play. Yeah, I agree. So, all right, I'll go to Franco here. Opposite question: How does Tampa Bay or the Rangers beat? Colorado. I think I know where you're going with this one, but how do they have any shot against Colorado in the finals? There's that's, only one way. Yes, yeah. that's, the, that's the impossible question, though, right? I mean, both of them have great goaltending, right? So that's a big plus compared to throwing a guy like Mike Smith out there or Billy Huso. When, when St. Louis had Bennington, who was playing well, they had a shot in that series. Yeah. They really did, believe it or not. You, we look back now and it just looks like, Oh yeah, that was just another stepping stone on Colorado's way to the cup here, but that was the only team that pushed back. And you wonder if Nashville could have done anything with Soros, maybe one or one or two, one or two games instead of being swept. But that's the only way. And and they they both both teams have that that piece, the goaltender, which is big and and decent defense in front of them as well. So I just don't know. I, it feels like that scenario where. Colorado's been knocking on the door for a few years now, and it just seems like inevitable at this point. Um, I, I, I was likening it to the Chiefs a, a few years ago where they couldn't get over that schneid, and finally the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl, and now they're a perennial team. But I think Colorado is that team now where this is their time, and it's happening, so... We'll yeah. see what happens. We'll see what happens. It, it'll be interesting. Both of those goalies are going to have to stand on their head. That's that's what's going to come down to. Yeah, I agree. For me, I mean, the biggest thing too. You watch the Eastern Conference Finals, the Western Conference Finals, and the speed. The speed just jumps out to you that Colorado and Edmonton had versus Tampa Bay and New York. Uh, side note: Tampa Bay just took a one nothing lead. We are we're all just cheering. Think Let's we're all go! Tampa Bay here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, Betsy. I want to go to you here quickly. Um, Oddly enough, too, so Colorado's in the finals, right? They've been unbelievable on the road, at least seven and one on the road here. You turn to the Eastern Conference finals. New York's been dominant at home, six and one, I think, and the Lightning as well, kind of around that same record. What do you think for, I mean, obviously, it's going to be some incredible matchups, I guess, whether each, like if the Eastern Conference finals team at home, but then you have Colorado comes in, who's great on the road, where the Eastern Conference finals teams have won most of their games. It seems like a tough spot because usually maybe seen in the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs, traditionally, the home teams won most of the games. I think there's a couple factors in whoever Colorado plays. One, if Kadri's back or not, will really 
change the dynamic on some of these away games where where the home team will be able to uh, match up a little bit better. Uh, I think that's just been a nightmare for other teams. And Colorado's still been able to, you know, pull off these road wins. But um, I think maybe some more experienced coaches, like the two that we still have left on the East, may be able to play their cards a little bit better. Um, and then, of course, goaltending. I think, I think, you know, the arguably the two best goaltenders in the world right now are who Colorado is going to face. And I do think it helps a lot more for a goaltender at home than some of the other players who may kind of soak up the boo birds and whatnot. Um, Just being able to have kind of that home routine and ritual for a goaltender seems extremely important. So I do think, especially if they play Tampa, it's going to be a little bit more evenly matched on the home away series. And I don't think there's going to be as much of a lean for Colorado to just constantly be able to pull off road wins and same for Tampa, but. I personally, I was going to say personally, if the Rangers do beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, if you think they're going to win the series, there's no point on betting them to win the series. Just bet on on or on Igor Shosturkin and Con Smythe because there's absolutely no other way they're beating Colorado. Like yeah. watching that team five on five against Colorado is going to be almost comical. Like with that speed, yeah. like that's going to be tough, in, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, I think. I mean, I look, I love to hate on the Rangers, but from what I've seen from Tampa Bay. I don't think they're going to fare much better. Like I think Colorado's out on a mission. I, I think they're like Tampa Bay a couple of years ago where they were right on the doorstep and they kept failing. They kept failing. And like, they finally kind of broken the code. They're at the part where they need to now. Like it's almost like destiny. The only it, thing it, I can the, see is if Kemper doesn't come back. Like I think Pablo Franco is God awful. Like <laughs> he's not winning a series for you in my opinion. Um, so I think Kemper coming back is a big piece but I can't see either Eastern Conference team um, taking Colorado out the way they're playing right now. Like, man, that team, when they flip a switch and they want to score a goal, it feels like there's nothing you can do to stop them. Yeah, I guess I'll go into my next question then. Consmite uh, futures, right? So you got McCarr, uh, plus 160, McKinnon, plus 190, Rantanen, plus 900. If you each had to give a pick right now for a Consmite uh, winner, who is your pick? Start with Cheds, whoever wants to take this one. Um, Con- you said the odds right now, McCarr's plus 160. Carr's plus 160, McKinnon's plus 190, and Rantanen's plus 900. Those are the top three uh, guys in terms of odds for Colorado right now. Um, without looking at it, I feel like it's got to be McKinnon. I think we just talked about it. Like McCarr just had a crazy game and absolutely no one talked about it. Like I think to me, I just think forwards get more love in that sense than anything else. So I feel like he would be my best bet for it, but I have no idea what point totals or anything like that right now are. Yes. McKinnon's got 22 or no, McKinnon's got 18. McCarr's got 22 and Ranton has got 17. Besky, who's your, uh, what's your take on this? Yeah, I, I gotta go with McKinnon too. I especially that uh 
goal last night where he just essentially took over the game and said, hey, we ain't losing here. Um, that That's who I'd put money on right now. I, I also think leagues like to kind of crown whoever they want to kind of be the face of the league. And this is always a good way to do it. And uh, I think McKinnon's their guy. Yeah, I mean, plus, if you look at the pat- goal scorers, it's like usually goals is more important <laughs> than assists, right? So Makara's 17 yeah. assists compared to 11 goals for McKinnon. It's just that's what everybody sees. They don't care about Makara's five goals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the only fork in McKinnon winning it is if Colorado doesn't win it, like I said. I think yeah, most agreed. likely you're looking at the goalies of each opposing team. But even for Tampa Bay, like Vasilevsky hasn't been – incredible so that's no. where i could see like kucherov most likely because he's been their best performer come up um plus 1100 for kucherov right now yeah he's been incredible <clears throat> i think a lot of people forgot about just how good he is yeah like i'm a playoff a, performer i mean jesus christ even overall i think he's a top yeah. five forward in the nhl like he's absolutely absurd incredible um, because of all the injuries and him being out for so much like i think like i said a lot of people forgot how good he is that dude is he's got eyes in the back of his head. Like he's got, he might have the best vision in the NHL. He makes passes that like no one else does. That pass to Palat was insane. I don't even know how he saw him there. It's it just like the um, Florida game two, or was it Florida game three that passed like <laughs> 0.4 seconds left to Colton, where yep. like he wasn't looking at him like, like, uh, like how? <laughs> like how did he know he was there? I guess the other guy that interests me too, um, I, this is Landeskog, right? Landeskog has eight goals. McKinnon's got 11. Um, looking at points, McKinnon's got 18. Landeskog is 17. Landeskog is at like plus 3,000 right now to win the Smythe. If he has a great Stanley Cup finals, I think there's also some value no on – uh, you don't think so? No chance. Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon are taking it. Ranton, yeah. I, I also, Ranton doesn't have a chance either. Yeah. I, In I, my opinion personally, like – Though it would have to take like some ungodly performance, which they're going to be glued on a line on the power play with McCarr and McKinnon anyway. So they're yeah. most likely going to be attached to them. Like, I think it'll be very, very, very difficult um, for anyone outside of those two guys to um, win the consulate, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. So if we have nothing more on Edmonton, Colorado, we can talk a little bit about this Rangers lightning series. We touched on it before, but I think Ched's brought it up, was Vasilevsky has not kind of been the Vasilevsky we saw last year, right? You keep kind of waiting for him. Obviously, had a great game seven in the first round, played unbelievable in the second round versus Florida. But when you look at his home and away splits, he has significantly, like, struggled on the road this year. Um, and you look at Shesterkin, Shesterkin's had a plus GSAX in kind of every game this series versus the Lightning and basically won them the first two games. Lightning had more expected goals in every single game, uh, the first three games here. I guess uh, I'll go to Betsky here. Initial thoughts on this series right now, kind of your biggest um, shocks, I guess I would say, in this series. Rangers look great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 wrong. I know. <laughs> I knew I was going to get some, uh, some jabs yeah. or trips from that, but man. Uh, these kids on this team are getting so much great exposure too. I mean, Schneider's looked 
really good. He looks like a solid top four guy. And he was coming out of a quote unquote crummy draft last year. Lindgren's looked great and stepped up. Fox has been way more physical than I would have ever expected. And that top line just keeps rolling. And, you know, now you're starting to see Lafreniere and uh, Capococco start to kind of chip away and really help kind of that depth. And I, I really do think that's where Tampa's getting outmatched is kind of past that top six. Um, yeah, it's it, they're going to be interesting. I think they're going to be a lot more than just a power play team moving forward here. I really like what Gallant's doing too. When he got fiery during the Carolina series, I think that really got the rest of the team amped up. So my big problem is one first off, you're hundred percent correct about the um about the youngsters. The youngsters, Capocaco, Filipito, Alexis Lafreniere, like they've been their best five on five players. The Rangers stars like Kreider and Sabinajad, they've actually been kind of missing five on five. The only saving grace is like for whatever reason, Mika Zabinajad has never picked up on their power play. Like, I think the teams are just forgetting that he's got like a top five shot in the NHL and he's just open at all times. And if he doesn't score, Kreider just picks up the rebound. Like, yeah. that, that, that's kind of the whole thing here. But the five on five, both those guys, like you saw Carolina, like Carolina was able to negate them completely, especially at home. So I think that's the game plan. And these Rangers youngsters, which I love to make fun of, like they picked up big time. Like, yes, yeah. they have easier, easier matchups. I understand that that plays a part of it, but like it is also incredible, like how well and how big of a jump they took, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, they've been very, very, very good. Um, so ton of props to them there. And again, it's been all season. We know it's been like Igor Shesterkin is fucking incredible. And again, yeah. last game, Tampa Bay won three to two with like a goal in like 40 seconds left. And the shots were like 54 to like 22. They, they were more than doubling their shot output. Like, I just, I, it blows my mind coming from a team that has such terrible goaltending. Like, how is that sustainable where you're getting just hammered every game? But they keep doing it. Like, they just keep doing it. Igor Shesterkin, again, he deserves MVP votes. I know he's in the top three, but like, you take him off the Rangers and they are drafting bottom five, in my opinion, this year. Well, it's yes. like that argument that they always say, right? If when, when a goalie sits for a while in a game, they don't have, you know, there's a second period where maybe a team only gets three shots on that. That's when they give up those weak goals. He's getting so much work out there that he's just feeling it. He, he's, he feels the puck the entire game. He never has a, a point in the game where he's falling asleep back there. It's constant, and he's he's just in a zone right now where it's unreal. And th this Tampa team can score with the best of them, and he's keeping this team in, in games. So it is pretty crazy. They, they've gotten high at the right time, the Rangers. And with the kids <laughs> picking it up, it's, it's just added bonus. Their trade deadline and offseason depth pieces also help a lot. Because with, like, Kreider and um, – Cop. Oh, sorry, Kreider and Zabinadrag getting shut down a bit five on five. Guys like Cop, guys like even Tyler Mott's pitching against the goals. Barkley Goudreau is a great playoff like performer. Um, guys like that have really helped their depth uh, and definitely helping them win games. Goudreau was on the Lightning last year, wasn't he? Or a yep. few years ago? Yeah. Yeah, he was part of that great third line that they had. 
Yeah. Him, lo- Coleman and uh, Yanni Gord. Yeah. So they, they lost them. all of them. Um, but all right. Any closing thoughts here uh, before I kind of wrap up with one question here? Um, Tampa Bay almost scored again. <laughs> um, one, one thing I think will be interesting next year, speaking of kind of just the kids and integrating this lineup is how much, how much Gallant will pass over to them. Is it going to start putting them in the top two lines, letting them kind of soak up those minutes or not? Um, I think after, after what they've shown this playoffs, he, he better. And I think you know, he's going to have, you would think, you would think, but you know, some of these old, older coaches that are very system-based sometimes uh, kind of shelter and get stuck in, in what they're trying to accomplish. So it'll be interesting. I don't think he'll have a choice purely because like the Rangers have a lot of money tied up to Jacob Truba, Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, Adam mm-hmm. Fox just signed an $8 million contract. Igor Shesterkin's a free agent in two years. Like they're going to need these young players on lower contracts to step up and do well for them. Cause they're not going to have money to spend on big name free agents um, each way. Like they're going to need these young guys to be those big pieces for them going forward and rounding out their depth. Agreed. But that's the GM's job. The coach's job is to win. <laughs> Get the best out of the players. Right. Yeah. So uh, I, I think in, I would say chances are is they, he does start giving them more top six minutes, but this is, this is that classic crossroads where you start to see the divide of a great coach potentially losing a room, <laughs> but what, what they've done accomplished this, this Stanley cup playoffs have been awesome. Still for us. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've been bashing yeah. on this whole playoffs and now we just kind of look like idiots, but they, they've proven yeah. us wrong left and right. And you gotta give them credit for what they've done so far. Being Carolina was no easy feat. So no, I can't and, believe and Carolina I, lost. That shocked me so much. And th- that that Pittsburgh series, I think, as much as it made it look like they were a shaky team and they only lucked out because they got Domingue, and th- they probably did, but I think it was the wake-up call they needed to go into Carolina, kind of I think and focused. I, I think two things. One, anyone who said that the Rangers got completely outplayed in Pittsburgh and got very lucky and out of the series – are absolutely correct yeah Two, anyone that says the rangers also got very lucky against carolina were wrong like yeah the rangers look very good against carolina hurricanes like don't they deserve to win that series they got lucked out pretty big time with the louis domingue um and then Sidney crosby concussion like there are a lot of things broke their way in a series where they got dominated against pittsburgh but they came back out against carolina and they played a really good series and they're playing you know pretty well again here at um against Tampa Bay, but they're going to need to win away games because, again, they're not going to have any type of home ice advantage against Colorado. Colorado, they don't care. They don't give a fuck if they're home or away. I think they actually have a better record this playoffs away from home. Yeah. Uh, all right. So just to touch on this briefly before I wrap up here, uh, in terms of our bandwagon draft, I believe Betsky had both uh, Colorado and Edmonton, and I had both Rangers and Tampa Bay lighting. So it looks like it'll be coming down should be between me and you there. I know you were picking out Maple Leafs gear, but I think you're going to have to put that one on hold for <laughs> yeah. a while, but uh wrap up question here. So obviously game four is tonight between the Rangers and lightning. Uh, I'll start with Chad's here. Give me your prediction on how this series ends. Oh, I thought you were going to say the game. Um, I feel like it's going to, it's going to go either six or seven. 
Okay. Obviously, we already knew that. I, I brought nothing of value there. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to go and say it. Uh, Tampa Bay in six. Okay. I like it. Betsky, how about you? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to go Rangers in six. Fraud. But, but I, I, you know, I, I did Edmonton in six and uh, Florida in six, too, or Florida in seven, too. So what do I know? But, yeah. Frago, how about you? What do you think? I'm back and forth on it. My, my mind says that I want Tampa to win, but I think with the way Shesterkin's been playing and just the hotness of this Rangers team, I, I'm going to go with Rangers in seven. I think we get all the way to seven games here. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you here. I think it definitely goes seven uh, in this series. And honestly, game seven can be incredible. But I do have that weird feeling that I do think the Rangers are going to pull off this one in seven as well. Um, obviously, I like the Lightning, but I do think uh, that the Rangers are going to win this in seven here. Betsky, or you had something to say? Yeah, I think the home ice is going to be it, what kind of tilts it for Rangers, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Cheds, and we'll go down the line here. You guys want to plug your socials one more time? Yep. Mine is just up at, up at Top Cheddar Picks on Twitter. Yeah, briefly. Congrats on the uh, 3K there. That's massive. Thank you. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. That as well, well, man. Awesome. <laughs> and and geez, you almost made that much half eight bucks on Sunday. I actually made more than that. It was like three thousand two hundred. Wow, that was the biggest <laughs> long shot I've ever had. Rerolled it today, and all my guys got a combined zero shots, baby. <laughs> yeah. You know that's, so how, that's how it's gonna go, though. You're gonna just be responsible with that money and put it away for the wedding, right? It's already been for new ad. There you go. Good. Good. <laughs> On the wedding, hopefully, right? Yes. <laughs> or some new appliances or something like that. You wouldn't have just gone to Atlantic City with it. No, right? no. The, the money was put into the credit cards, which yeah. has been yeah. put on like stuff. But one, yes, it has paying been. off the irresponsible purchases. <laughs> one shot on gold prop to pay for the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're just going to do fucking. Ryan Reeves, nine plus shots on goal. That'll pay for the wedding if it hits. Betsky, you want to plug your socials? Sure. Yeah. I'm uh, Gretzky Betsky's on Twitter. Franco? At Franco the Banker on Twitter. Perfect. All right. Well, we'll definitely have another episode out before the finals comes out. We'll do a breakdown of that series as well as some game one picks and props. Um, So we'll definitely have more of a betting episode next time out. But thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Expected Bets 4, and we'll see you guys soon.